I need to, to read uh, the bulletin and, uh, for this evening. And the caption for focus would be, I'm reading the, not the bold type, your deoxyribonucleic acid and history itself will reveal that God himself is an omnipotent candidate who believes in you, evidenced by his record of deliverance. So who will you be voting for? The PLP? The DNA? A typographical error here. They have FTL. That is supposed to be the S, like in Psalm. The STL. The FNM or otherwise. Let's look at Joshua to discover his party or party affiliate. So let me take this opportunity this morning uh, when I greet you. Uh, let me say that now. A good evening to everyone. This morning when I greeted you, I said, I made a declarative statement and I just simply said, look at the people. And now, this evening, I have a question. Where are the people? <laughs> but I thank you for being here. Welcome to this last rally in the valley on the eve of our general election. Who will you be voting for? I find it strange, the occasions that I've had uh, at the beginning, if I was usually home at that time, usually at 8 o'clock in the evening, when these, in recent days, weeks, these uh, public uh, rallies were being held. And as I mentioned this morning, uh, they are populated with, uh, with Christians. As a matter of fact, um, usually most of the rallies begin with prayer. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah. And all of them are talking to the same God, asking God to bless their efforts. As a matter of fact, they are very unbashfully asking God to give them the victory. And they finish by saying amen. Now, like I mentioned this morning, all of those persons, or at least these, these uh, parties and the rallies, there is a likelihood that there is only going to be one group of persons who would have had their prayers answered. So there's a possibility that even though they would have been praying and been praying fervently, only one of those persons or parties will have their prayers answered. And that's because God is in control. And we need to be reminded of that, despite all of the activities and the fervor of these public gathering of persons in the form of rallies during these last days and weeks. By the way, we would also notice that during this particular general election that there are many new candidates to frontline politics. How many of them do you know? Well, uh-huh. How well do you know your candidate? You may be in an area where there is a new candidate who hitherto you may have not heard from before. Question. 
if God was a candidate in this general election, would you vote for him? And I sense you in this place is almost almost uh, expecting to say, yes, of course. But really? You probably would say, it depends on which party he associates himself with. You won't say that out loud because that was a same, you know, so wow, that's, that's not a good thing to say. But there might be some people who show more devotion to a party than they show to God. I asked a question a moment ago. How well do you know your candidate? You will be voting for this candidate in the next 18 hours. Some will do it early. You're being admonished to everybody. And notice all of the parties saying, go early. Vote early and go back to wherever you were before, either that's work or home. If everybody goes early, there's going to be a long line. Some people can't handle long lines. But you will vote. If God was a candidate, would you vote for him? You say that's an easy answer. Of course I would. I want to draw your attention to the book of Joshua this evening. Moses is dead. Joshua is the new human military and spiritual leader of the children of Israel. God tells him to be strong and courageous. And so we want to look at Joshua's final very poignant charge to the people of Israel in Joshua chapter 24. In chapter 23, Joshua would have gathered the people together, the leaders really, and would have spoken to them. Joshua is now over 100 years of age, closer to 110 at this time. So in chapter 24, Joshua gathers the people or the children of Israel to a place called Shechem, which is a few miles northwest of Shiloh. Now, what does scripture tell us? A few things about this place called Shechem. It was here that Abraham first received the promise that God would give his seed the land of Canaan. Abraham responded by building an altar to demonstrate his faith in the one true God, according to Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 through 7. Secondly, Jacob Jacob stopped here on his return from Padamaram and buried there the idols his family had brought with them, according to Genesis chapter 35 and verse 4. And three, or thirdly, after the Israelites had completed the first phase of the conquest where Joshua built an altar to Yahweh and inscribed the laws of God on the stone pillars and received these laws, for all the people, according to Joshua, chapter 8, verses 30 through 35. At the beginning of chapter 24, he gives a preamble. He gives really a historical prologue as to what's been happening in chapter 24, verses 2 through 13. In essence, he's reviewing their blessings, 
reviewing their blessings. While we review the blessings that God has so graciously bestowed upon the children of Israel, I wonder if you can do two things at the same time. To think about what Joshua is reminding the people of, but also to review the blessings that you have received from God himself. Because he is a candidate. He wants your devotion. He wants your vote. And so between verses 2 through 13, God uses, I see, at least more than 10, up to about 16, possibly 18, depending on your translation of scripture. Personal pronouns that God used to hear or to indicate his involvement. Yes, his blessings in the lives of the children of Israel. And here are some of them. He simply says, I took. And to be conscious of the time, I won't prolong and read each of the verses. But he says, I took. The question to you is, has God ever taken you from anything, anything bad, to something good? Can you think of something where it is clearly the hand of God, God who is and was and will ever be in control? I gave. Has he, has God ever given you anything? When was the last time you took a breath? Breathe. That's God. We take these things for granted. I assigned. Has God ever assigned you any measure of health? Years? Do you know that there are persons who are younger than you, who are passed on, died rather suddenly? Do you know that there are persons who have had less traumatic illnesses than you may have had, and yet they succumb to those illnesses, and yet you would have had more serious illnesses, and here you are? And if not you directly, I'm sure you can think of a family member, a relative, a friend. That's because God is in control. He says also in these verses, I sent. Has God ever sent you anything that you were deeply appreciative of? Family? Friends? Persons who truly, genuinely love you, care for you? Have you ever had any of those persons in your life? Have you ever paused to recognize that, you know, God didn't have to do that, but he did it anyway? He is asking for your vote this evening. God says, I afflicted. Has he ever afflicted, as far as you're aware, any of your enemies? Do you know that you have enemies? <laughs> no. Maybe you don't know them personally. Can you imagine, well, certainly the arch enemy of ours, Satan himself, Maybe we'll all be stupefied if God were to, real, were to reveal to us all of the things that he prevented us from experiencing simply because he cared and cares for us. And instead, he stopped those intended arrows of harm that were directed at us 
he stopped them in their tracks and caused them, as it were, to ricochet back to them and afflicted them with their poisonous arrows. God says, I bought, I brought. Has he ever brought you through any difficulty or any personal illnesses? Has God ever done anything for you? Is he worthy of your service, of your vote, of your allegiance? And then he says, I delivered. Has he ever delivered you from anything? This is the candidate amid all of what's going on now in our society. Has God done anything for you lately? Any greatness Israel received was not by her effort, but through God's grace and enablement. From first to last, conquests, deliverance, and prosperity were because God's good mercies were upon the children of Israel. None of it would be, was because of their own making. And so once more, he spoke, that is Joshua, spoke of God's punctilious or very minute consistent faithfulness to every promise. And so once more, he warned of doom caused by disobedience, according to chapter 23, verses 14 through 16. Israel's greatest danger was not military. It was moral and spiritual. And as a result, Joshua and back on the process of not just reviewing how faithful and how good God was to them. Certainly, taking them out of Egypt, out of bondage. Bringing them through, despite their disobedience, through that 40-year journey through the wilderness. And here they are now, living in Canaan. He's reviewing this with them. Certainly, there's a track record, an impeccable track record, that God has had with the children of Israel. He has reviewed that with them. Simply saying, has God not been good to you? We shall see how they respond. Verse 14 through 15, and this will certainly be my focus as I move quickly through this. Verse 14 through 15 says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you are now living. Israel's venerated leader assured them that whatever their choice was, his mind was made up. His course was clear, and he said that we all are very familiar with these words. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When he said that, the people, of course, responded with alacrity or briskness, promptness, cheerfulness, and readiness, and simply says, far as far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, He brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. 
He is our God. That sounds like a very determined, a very precise answer that these people can be depended on to vote for God, the one who is their deliverer, the one who is in control. Joshua said in response to their quick answer to him, you are not able to serve the Lord. What gives him the audacity to say such a thing? The people just said, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. Now, what did he mean by this? He meant that God was not to be worshipped or served lightly, and that to forsake him deliberately to serve idols would be a presumptuous, willful, high-handed sin for which there were no forgiveness under the law, according to Numbers chapter 15, verse 30, that says, But the person who does anything defiantly, whether he is a native or an alien, that one is blaspheming the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people. Numbers 15, verse 30. Such sin would result in disaster. Once more, the people responded earnestly, reaffirming their purpose to serve Yahweh. They says, no, but we will serve the Lord. The question again I ask you as I ask myself rhetorically, are you willing to serve the Lord more than any other? Will you vote for God? In verse 22 through 24, we read these words. He heard the pledge of their lips. Now he challenged them to prove their sincerity by their work or actions. We are very quick sometimes as people to say things and there seems to be a disconnect between what we say and our actions. Joshua knew this and knew this with his people. And so knowing this, Knowing that many of them were secretly practicing idolatry, Joshua fought rightly demanded that they remove their foreign gods from among them. Again, without the slightest hesitation, the people shouted, We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Easy to say. Have you seen recently, you ever saw people driving around with different party flags on their vehicle? Yeah. Have you ever seen anybody with two different parties on their vehicle? Three different parties on their vehicle? And the national flag in the midst? Uh Uh-huh. While I was minding my own business, usually, driving home this afternoon from service here, I passed a, a building, and the building had all the parties on the building, traced on the building. I thought they were open for business, probably selling um, these placards, advertising the different parties. But if that was their residence, it is very difficult to tell where their allegiance lie. 
They just simply say, look, this looks pretty. It's decorating it, all the colors. Interesting. The good question would be, what I'm asking us, from a spiritual perspective, who are you voting for? God is in control with respect to tomorrow. What do you think Wednesday's headline, no, Tuesday's headline would read? Winner. Now I know where you're biased. You're ready saying, I hope. Really? God is in control, and Brother Mike said it so wonderfully. Regardless of what happened, could it be that this has already been known from eternity past? And yet there are some persons. Do you ever watch the fervor? you ever watch, watch the endurance of these people at rallies? You know, you ever wonder about people who complain about the high cost of gas? You know, and the motorcade? Maybe someone else is paying for the gas. I don't know. Um, but they will stay. Did you ever notice that if it's raining, that some people won't move? And they don't have an umbrella, an umbrella, or what they call them, parasol? You know, we used to call them raincoat man. You know, they don't have none, but they will stand right there through that. They're not involved. Some of them are not even paying attention to what is being said. As long as they have something in their hand to wave. You know, that's it. It's just caught up in the fervor and the hype of what's going on. Do you think they'd ever do that if we were calling a religious rally here and say, so we advertising our candidate, the omnipotent God Almighty, and we want to come to our allegiance to him? You think they'll give us an excuse? Like, especially if we were doing it outdoors, you know? It may be too hot, you know. Now, if you're having it indoor, maybe I'll come. If there's no special sporting event on, maybe, you know. And if I were going to compare allegiance, is God really important? Or is it that we take God for granted? He's, he's always been there. But see, this is political thing only comes around every five years. You know, people got to get excited. Yeah. What about God? He's been there providing, caring for you. He has a perfect track record of deliverance. And you're sure of that because he absolutely believes in you. you know. And he's a God who does not change, even though you go through many changes. And yet, by our actions, we live a contradictory, if not hypocritical, life. God wants our true allegiance. There could be no mixing of allegiance to God and to idol worship. A firm choice had to be made then as in every generation. People must choose between expediency and principle. They must choose between this world and eternity. They must choose between the living true God and idols. And please, do not just think about little statue when I say idols. That can be a political party, as big as that, or an individual. First Thessalonians 1.9 admonishes us the same thing, that we must be, we must choose between God or idols. Finally, Joshua speaks to the children of Israel, reminding them, of their pledge. Since they said so briskly, 
um, with such alacrity that, hey, we will serve the Lord. He reminds them of their pledge in verse 25 through 28. And then the conclusion of the chapter, we see three burials. Joshua himself, who died at the age of 110. Joseph's bone that were brought out of Egypt, as he asked, that please don't leave me or my bones in Egypt. And so when you are taking, when you are delivered out of Egypt, please take my bones with you. God granted that request of Joseph. And so here in their promised land, Canaan, Joseph's bones were buried. And then there is Eliezer the priest who also was buried here in this new land, the land that God has given the people of Israel. I tell you, God can be trusted. If God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. God above anybody says what he means and means what he says. God kept his word to these three and to all of Israel. I believe that this should also act as an encouragement to us as God's children today. That is for you and for, uh, for me. That we can count on God because he is faithful. He is in control. He cannot fail. That's your candidate. He cannot fail. He cannot fail. And so, in conclusion, like God told Joshua, be strong and courageous in God's promises. Only be strong and courageous. He repeats himself in verse 7. Be strong and courageous in God's word because you are sure of victory. Be strong. And then the third time he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Because God's presence is here. He is in control, watching over you, watching over me. That's why, as I said this morning, for me and my house, we are voting STL, serve the Lord. We are voting STL. We have committed ourselves to serve the Lord. He is indeed a worthy candidate. Not tomorrow only. You have, most of you I believe here, have at some time in the past committed yourself to serving the Lord. And so my presence here this evening is simply to remind us to renew our commitment to who really is in control. And we are the persons who are best, uh, are the best of an inside story as to what the results will be tomorrow. Because God is in control. And we serve him. Those political parties or particular individuals within parties I don't want to say secondary, because that's where it's a very personal issue to you. But they come, as far as I'm concerned, way down the rung on the ladder in terms of priority. My commitment 
is to serve the Lord where he has placed me. Because when once Wednesday, Tuesday is gone, uh, certainly that I mentioned this morning, for some, Tuesday is going to be a bad day. Some people will not be able to report to work. Some who are still ecstatic about the results still won't report to work because they are too excited to go. Some will be hospitalized <laughs> or at home taking some other kind of medication to, because they can't wake up. You know, I'll be looking at the, but I don't usually buy paper because I don't have much time to read it, but I'll buy Thursday paper to see who has passed on. <laughs> Look at the obituary. Now, maybe. But some people invest a lot of emotion time in the politics, you know. And unfortunately, and I believe there's a degree of involvement there, but some people, I think, can always go overboard. Um, and especially in the context of, at the expense of your commitment to Christ or to God. How will you and God get along? Does God really have your vote? Does he has to still prove himself to you? Has he not been good to you? Is he not worthy of your service, of your vote? Can you say emphatically, at least for yourself, that I am voting to serve the Lord, S-T-L? Could you commit that for yourself? And if you do that, not for me, there's something you do inside Eternally, personally, privately, God who sees your heart knows whether you're thinking about serving him or is this something you have to wait, you have to sleep on this. And then when you wake up, you may decide. Who tells you you're going to wake up? God is in control of everything. And my brothers and sisters, like Joshua, who was very clear in his choice and his decision, when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I too make that pledge and hope that you would do the same. That as for me and my house, I, we will serve the Lord. This is Wendley Fowler, and I approve this message. Thank you. But I think we need to do this. Would you pause with me, because on the eve of this very special General election, I think we should pray for our country and pray for tomorrow. Because not everybody might be as civil as you and I are tomorrow or the hours following. So I think it's important, scripture tells us, that we should pray for our country, for the leaders of our country. We should pray for people in general, especially those who do not even know God. It will be very disappointing, a bad testimony for, to, for God's people to be involved in something that is so well, to, ungodly in terms of conduct as a result of tomorrow's general election. And so I invite you with me as we pray and ask God, who is in control, to certainly impact the minds of our people so that we will have the results where there will be no incident uh, of violence, but the process will continue smoothly, and we pray that people will accept the results, but do so graciously. We know, of course, that the enemy would like to see the opposite, because he really doesn't care about the results. He really doesn't care about any male or any violence that might ensue. As a matter of fact, if he could have his way, he would like 
to cause it or to incite people to do just that. But I believe that if God's people will pray, God is listening. And so I invite you at this time to let us pray for our country and certainly for tomorrow's general election on this, the eve of our general election. And so I invite you to pray with me even now. Our Father, we are absolutely certain and we affirm that you are indeed in control. You are sovereign. You are involved, as we said earlier, and through our worship experience, that you are a transcendent God. You are intimately concerned and involved in the lives of humanity. And tomorrow in the Bahamas, we have our general election. And Lord, you know all of those who will be involved, who will be voting. We know those persons who will be gathering at the various um, polling stations. We know the various persons who are vying for a seat in Parliament from the various parties. We present those persons to you, first of all, the leaders of these various parties, including independents as well. These persons who are vying for public office to serve the people of this country. Lord, we pray that those persons will be impacted with your presence in such an unusual way that they cannot, they will not have the opportunity to mistakenly think that whatever the results is or are, are different than what you would have them to be. And Lord, we pray for the ardent followers of these various persons or parties, that they will have a sense of your presence and sovereignty as well in this process. We pray for peace. We pray for calmness. We pray for civility among our people. Lord, we are aware and been publicized that there are those who are on the outside of our country looking in. There are those who are in our country on official basis trying to observe how we carry out our general election. Lord, we pray that the results would be, the report that these persons would make would be only positive, rather impressive. Lord, we thank you in advance for this anticipated result. And Lord, we know that the enemy is busy. We say he is running to and fro to seek to cause Mali unrest, harm, strife, discord. But we believe in you. You have the absolute power. And so we ask you to guide, govern, indeed, let your sovereignty rule, and we thank you in advance for the results of tomorrow's general election, but also for the civility that will be displayed, the calmness as well. We thank you. And Lord, we simply rest all of any anxieties that we might have in your hands, your godly, powerful, strong, righteous hands. And all of God's people says, Amen.